Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Regen. Uh, I'm Jairus. I'm going to read a psalm before uh, we worship. So it is uh, Psalm 34, just a few verses. I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim Yahweh's greatness with, with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Well, good morning and welcome to Regeneration. If this is your first time with us, we're so glad to have you. You are welcome and you are expected. Um, if you, um, throughout this morning, decide that you'd like to kind of stay in touch and hear more about what's going on here at Regen, we'd invite you to stop at the table on your way out and there's a card that says, hey, on it. And if you fill that out, um, you can give us your email address, you'll get our weekly reconnect email, which just kind of lets you know about the events that are going on here at Regen and just different ways that you can jump in and get um, connected. Um, and then we also have mugs back there, which is just our gift to you to just say thanks for being here this morning. We're so glad. And if you didn't stop and have Nova Coffee and Donuts on your way in in the room over there, we'd invite you to do that as well because we don't need to take any donuts home with us. So please have more donuts. Um, and then I just have a couple of uh, brief announcements for you. Um, here at Regen, one of the things we do is if you have Facebook, we do check-ins. Um, and when you use the hashtag RegenGives on your Facebook, it generates a donation to a local um, nonprofit or charity that's doing work in our community. And um, actually this month we're doing um, H2O Church, which is in Kent, and they um, do their church plant that reaches out to college students. So um, because we were a church plant and we're trying to reach young adults as well, um, that's just something we're passionate about. So if you check in and use the hashtag RegenGives, that'll generate a donation to H2O Church. Um, Kyle's going to talk a little bit more in his sermon about circles, so that's another way you can get connected, and he'll fill you in on that. But um, for right now, I'm just going to pray for our offering, and then uh, we'll keep going with our worship. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be here. We pray, Lord, that you would interrupt us this morning, that we would be interrupted by your love and your grace, that as we um, sing together, as we hear from your word, um, even as we give, Lord, that we would um, just be worshiping you and be um, focused on who you are and what you mean to us. And so, Lord, we just ask these things um, in your name. And just as a note, too, if you're a visitor, um, we don't expect you at all to give this morning, so you can just let the bucket pass you by. We're so thankful for the way that you make yourself available to us. God, you are so great, and we're so different, and yet you continue to press in and reach toward us. And so, Father, uh, our prayer this morning is that you would get our attention and that we would hear your voice. So Father, use your word because where your word is explained, your voice is heard. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Um, kids kindergarten through sixth can go with Miss Caitlin. That's Miss Caitlin back there. They just kind of go down the hall and have their own time to this time. Uh, hey, welcome to Regen. My name is Kyle, uh, and I get to be the pastor here, and I'm super, super thankful that you're here with us. Fall kickoff is something we really look forward to. If you were here this morning expecting Nova Coffee Company's donut like trailer to be outside, I'm sorry to disappoint you. They can't run their generator in the rain, so it's all inside, which 
is kind of appropriately fall like anyway. Last year at fall kickoff, it was like 85 degrees and we were in the parking lot in shorts. So, you know, it, it works. So, uh, yeah, we're just really excited to have you here this morning. Um, this time that we're about to just jump into is we just like to spend time every weekend in the Bible together. And we find that as we read the text and engage it and unpack it, it helps us understand more of who God is and who he's calling us to be and the picture of the life he's calling us to lead. And over the next three weeks, we're doing a series of teachings called Circles about community and life together, which I'm really excited about as we start and launch some small groups here called Circles that will also double click and unpack for you uh, during the sermon. So um, if you have a Bible and want to go there, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 12. Um, there's some Bibles scattered underneath you if you want to use those. The paperback ones match what I'm saying. And uh, in a minute, my wife is going to look at me with the page number, I think. Matthew chapter 12. 584, if you'd like to go there, and it'll also be on the screen. Um, there's, in our culture, two opposite forces at play, kind of two different drives. And on the one hand, there is this drive to be self-sufficient and independent. And on the other, other hand, there's this drive to, to belong and to be seen toward what I would call in, interdependence. And these opposite forces are constantly put on display for us in our two great obsessions, superhero movies and family dramas. Uh, the Lone Ranger, Batman, Iron Man, these are all stories of independent, strong, in this case, all men, who don't need anyone. I mean, Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne, Iron Man and Batman, if you don't know that, I mean, they're fabulously wealthy and, and maybe they're surrounded by assistance, real and digital, but the whole arc of their stories is about how they don't need anybody. And on the other hand, you have the Huxtables and the Tanners, and the Bravermans and the Pearsons, uh, all families who tell stories about needing one another, even in the midst of mess and conflict and rough edges, these families absolutely undeniably need one another to survive. Uh, and if you're not familiar with the Pearson family, which is from NBC's show, This Is Us, they, I think it debuts Tuesday, November Tuesday, September 25th at 9 p.m. Eastern, mark your calendars. We're excited, we did a whole series on that show last fall, so it was really cool. These movies and these shows, they're telling us a story, yeah, about overcoming challenges, overcoming evil, fighting aliens, about belonging and conflict, but they're also telling us a story at a deeper level about the good life, about what it means in the Bible's language to be truly blessed. They're presenting us pictures of what makes life fulfilling. Is life more fulfilling by not needing anyone, by rugged individualism, or, or is life made more fulfilling, if more complicated, by people? They're telling us how to live the life that we were created to live. And the question is, which one were we created to live? Jesus presents himself to us as Savior and Lord, but as the ultimate picture of the good life. If you want to know what it means to be fully human, if you want to know how our lives have always been intended to be, we look at Jesus and in his life and in the way that he lives and in the way that he wraps his life around the life of others, we see Jesus' answer to the question of the good life is solidly about interdependence and even family. So take a look at Matthew chapter 12. We're looking at verses 46 through 50. And, and this is what happens. It says, as Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside and they'd like to speak to you. 
Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers, and anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. At this point in the gospel of Matthew, we see Jesus radically redefining family. At this point in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus' public ministry is running on full cylinders. He can't go anywhere without drawing a crowd. He can't go anywhere without drawing a crowd to the miracles he's doing, to the demons he's casting out, to the people that he's healing. He can't help but draw a crowd in synagogues and in public places as Jesus' teaching reveals something uniquely true about life. And so here's Jesus surrounded by a crowd and his mother, Mary, and his half-brothers, technically, come looking for him and they try to get to Jesus and they can't. There's this really great documentary. It was on Netflix. I don't know if it is anymore, but it's about Katy Perry. And uh, yes, Katy Perry of all people. And Katy Perry, um, very fabulously wealthy, very fabulously famous. Uh, Katy Perry's parents Try saying, try saying that three times fast. Katy Perry's parents. Okay? I messed it up real bad at the last campus. Um, Katy Perry's parents, who were actually once like Pentecostal like ministers, have ridden the wave of her like success. And so they interview her parents in this documentary. And there's no other way to describe them, guys. Like they're just bougie. Like they're fancy. Like he's wearing a leather jacket that costs like probably as much as I make in a year in this video. And like he's the kind of guy like in an interview wearing sunglasses that with like a red tint inside. Right? He's super cool. And so they're talking to his parents, uh, talking to Katy Perry's parents. And it's very clear that, yeah, they have taken their daughter's success and used it to their own advantage. But this is not how it works with Jesus. Like Jesus is his mom and his brothers do not have VIP backstage passes to get to Jesus whenever they want. In fact, when they go to find Jesus, he's surrounded by this crowd and they have to wait in line with everybody else to get to Jesus. They have to wait in line with prostitutes. They have to wait in line with tax collectors. They have to wait in line with lepers. They have to wait in line with the very bottom of the barrel of Jewish society at this time because that is who came flocking to Jesus. And so somebody sees like, Mary and and her sons, Jesus's family, like standing in line and they're like, Jesus, like your mom is outside and she's kind of looking frustrated, right? And Jesus looks at this person and says, well, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he goes one further and he points to the disciples, these men and women who have given up everything to follow him at this point. I mean, leaving jobs, leaving their families to go everywhere that Jesus has gone. And, And he points to the disciples and he said, this, these people here, these are my mothers. These are my brothers. These are my sisters. Because anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my family. He's radically redefining family in a culture that, like ours, has the highest possible value on family. There's not all that much difference between first century Palestine and 21st century Mahoning Valley life when it comes to family. It's a high priority. Family is what matters most at this time in history. In fact, at this point in history, if you were a son and you went to get married, you were engaged to a woman and then you spent the engagement not picking out dresses and like cake flavors. You spent the time of engagement adding on to your father's house and then your wife would come and live with you in your father's house and everybody with like a complicated relationship with their mother-in-law like every they're like a little bit no thank you like let's let's live three time zones away you know what i mean and so and so this family culture it was all about being together it was about this tight knit 
close togetherness, and it's the same way for us here. Uh, Regen is primarily targeted to uh, like young adults, and if you're not a young adult, we're still really glad you're here. We just know that if you aim for everybody all the time, you hit nothing most of the time, so we're pretty clear on who we're here for. And, and so we, we tried to build this church on this, and we found it was really difficult because young families living in Trumbull County have like their grandma's birthday every other weekend. Like, people were just like, I have my grandma's birthday this weekend. And then like a month would go by, they'd be like, I have my grandma's birthday. I'm like, how many grandmas do you have? Do you know what I mean? And you know this, like your calendar is filled up by family birthday parties and niece birthday parties and graduations and, and, and any number of big events that, that fill up our lives. And in a culture like ours, in a culture like theirs, Jesus radically redefines family. And he says that family is not found in blood, it is not found in lineage, it is not found in last name. It is found in doing the will of his heavenly father. Jesus says that those who hear God's word and put it into practice are his true family. And if you're a person who calls on the name of Jesus, that is true of you. It is true of you. Here's what we see in the life of Jesus. We see Jesus comes from a family. And and before we go on, let me just say this about these verses. I think what we tend to do when we see Jesus point to his disciples and say, here are my mothers and brothers, They're the, my mothers and brothers are the ones who do the will of my Father who is in heaven, we think Jesus is speaking metaphorically. So Jesus is saying that Dan Collins and I are metaphorically brothers because we do the will of the Lord, like that Selena and I are, are metaphorically brothers and sisters, but Jesus doesn't speak in metaphor unless he wants to, and he doesn't say they're like family, he says they are family. He's saying that there is more, that, 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 that our connection to each other via the cross is more real and more lasting and heavier than our, than our like genetics, than our bloodlines, than our last name, and than our birth certificates. He's not speaking metaphorically. Jesus is unpacking the reality of what it means to follow him, and to follow him means being part of his family. You see, what we see Jesus doing is that Jesus comes from a family. He talks often about how he and his father have a close, intimate relationship, and from that place of family, of father and son, Jesus desires to expand his family and finds disciples who are not just followers, who are not just friends, who are not just interested in what he has to say. They are for Jesus, his spiritual family, his spiritual brothers and sisters, and he equips his brothers and sisters to expand their family. He wants the family to grow because that's what healthy families do. They expand and they grow. A a simple way to think about this is you could just draw it on the back of a napkin with a triangle. That Jesus, and if you're part of Regen regularly, you know what this is like, that Jesus offers us and demonstrates three priorities. His relationship with his father up, his relationship with his spiritual siblings in and a desire to expand that spiritual family to others, in fact, to the ends of the whole earth, out. That's what Jesus is modeling for us. And the family of Jesus continues to grow. Jesus lives, he dies, he rises again, he ascends into heaven, and while he is not physically present with his family, his family continues to grow. Even though he is spiritually not physically present with his family, we watch that family grow. So flip over, if you've got a Bible, to Acts chapter 2. It's just a a small chunk to the right. 
Acts chapter 2. That book of Acts is called the book of the Acts of the Apostles. It's about the early church, about the early people of Jesus. And in chapter 2, verse 42, it says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. This is why it's called the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. It continues to say, They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I mean, Jesus leaves them physically. The movement that Jesus started continues, and it continues not as an organization, not as a club, but as a family, Luke says that they devoted themselves to the fellowship, that they had all things in common, that they attended the temple together, that they broke bread in their homes. That sounds a lot like family. What do we do with family? We eat together. We spend time together. You borrow your dad's lawnmower when yours breaks. We share things together. The family of Jesus continues, and we see the family of Jesus committed to five things. They're committed to the teaching of Jesus, which in the book of Acts is called the apostles' teaching. They're committed to the word of God. They're committed to understanding what God has to say. They're committed to prayer and praise. This is why we sing, even though I find it makes the vast majority of people uncomfortable, because what God's people have always done together is sing. It's the best way that we have to respond to God. They were committed to this radical community of sharing their lives together for far more than an hour a week because they went to the temple together and then they went home and broke bread and then they broke bread some more and then they shared their resources and they met one another's needs and then when they were done with that they broke bread together which is why we just like food a lot as Christians okay they were committed to multiplication. They were committed to their family growing, and they grew it by both the proclamation and demonstration of the gospel. They, they, they grew it through sermons and teaching, but they also grew it through signs and wonders. Earlier it said that many signs and wonders were being done among them. It really could look like, like this shape here. I like to be visual sometimes. And we're going to get back into the house again next week, but we see the up and and out lifestyle of Jesus taking root in Jesus' spiritual family as they commit to, un to growing in their relationship with the Father through his word and through prayer and praise, as they grow as a spiritual family through radical community, and as they expand that family through multiplication, through proclamation and demonstration of the gospel, the family continues to grow. And what we see in the book of Acts is nothing short of a community through which the life of Jesus is flowing the same power that raised Christ from the dead flows through the early church community as they engage repeatedly in these five core commitments or as they, gain, or as they engage repeatedly in the up, in, and out lifestyle of Jesus. And the family grows. I mean, verse 47 says, having favor with all the people. Well, first of all, imagine a church. Imagine Christians having favor in a culture. And I'm not throwing stones at them. I'm throwing stones at us, to be clear. Okay, because Christians behave badly, which is why the world does not like us, because we're jerks. The Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. We see this family 
not a club, not an organization with flowcharts, not titles. In fact, we see not, that something that looks almost entirely unfamiliar to us as a church in the West, because we're going to talk about this next week, they had no building. All they had was a home. All they had was a table. We see Jesus building a family. And let me tell you this to start out with. This is really, really good news. Because if you watch shows like Parenthood and This Is Us and find in yourself a longing for community and being known and being seen, there's good news. By the way, if you watch shows like Parenthood and This Is Us and don't get emotionally, we, we have a counselor you can talk to because that, that's concerning, okay? There's, there's something numb inside of you that we need to work on. Um, if you find your family of origin to be hurtful or confusing, there's good news. If you are single and you cannot bear the weight of watching another night of Netflix while eating Thai food takeout that you microwaved because you bought it three days ago, if you are widowed and you find yourself longing for companionship, if you are divorced and you're still nursing that wound, if you are tired and lonely and burnt out and need of support, there is a family for you and it is a family that you only begin to scratch the surface of when you experience church on a Sunday. Because what Jesus is calling us to is a life that is more than fulfilling a one-hour religious obligation on a Sunday morning. Instead, it is a lifestyle of up and out, a lifestyle in which our whole worldview, the way we talk and the way we relate and the way we do everything, is shaped by Jesus. There is a family for you. There's a family for you. And let me be clear about something. This family is nowhere near as perfect as Jesus was. Ours is a family of missed connections and hurt feelings and miscommunication and at times deep disappointment and frustration. Talking about miscommunication, listen, we have a team of about 15 people that gets here before everybody else to get set up today. I think it's been a little bit of a hot mess today. We're good, right? Because... This is, how, this is what it means to be family. Just talking to my team here for a minute. And there are times in this family that there is deep disappointment. There's time that there is frustration. And there's times straight up there is outright wounding. I mean, some of you might be here sticking your toe in the water of church for the first time in decades because, like, it just hurt that bad. But somewhere in this hot, hot mess... In the midst of all of that, there is this beautiful, blessed life of listening and love and support and understanding and forgiveness and belonging and deep connection and being seen somewhere in the midst of this mess is the very place, hear me on this, that we are formed into the image of Jesus. Like some of you are new to Jesus, okay? And you're in church and now pastors like moving the goalposts a little bit because you're like, I am super into this Jesus thing. I'm in church for like the first time in 10 years. Awesome. This is the halftime show. This is not the Super Bowl. This is where we come to gather together to go back out and live as family for the rest of the time. It is the tip of the iceberg. It is the beginning of the journey. Coming to church on Sunday morning for an hour is a great place to start. But there's some in our community, just to call you out, like you're long past the point of needing to do more than that. Jesus operates, welcome to our culture. I'm probably scaring some of you. It is a culture of invitation and challenge, right? Jesus constantly goes back and forth with these things. 
Community and family is the place that we are shaped into the image of Jesus. It is in that hot mess of miscommunication and frustration and disappointment and unforgiveness and hurt feelings and as we work through them, it is in that place that we become like Jesus. Sunday morning is good. But one insight after another insight after another insight will not with certainty form you into the image of Jesus. It will make you very smart and give you a lot of little wordy things you can post on your social media that people can like. But what we tend to do is we tend to trick ourselves into believing that the tingly feeling we get when a pastor says something that we've never heard before is what means we're spiritually mature. It's what it means to be a Christian. And it's a part of it. Listen, I've heard some fantastic preaching in my lifetime, and I have heard one-liners that I still remember to this day, and they can give me goose pimples and make me feel all the feels. But if I'm not living differently over the next six days, I have nothing really to offer. I've not really gone anywhere. Jesus isn't looking for us to be people of insight. People is looking for us to be, Jesus is looking for us to be people of relationship. He's looking for us to root ourselves in family with as much of the mess and frustration and hurt. And that is the exact heart, by the, by the way, behind this thing called circles. Because we're trying to create a vehicle where family doesn't happen automatically, but where family could happen, where a sense of belonging and connection could be found that the up, in and out lifestyle of Jesus is brought to bear, that we experience his word and we pray, and there's a radical community of caring and love for one another, that there is ultimately multiplication as we demonstrate and proclaim the gospel to our friends. That's what circles are all about, and we have three. We have three circles. Um, One of them is for students, and it already started this summer. We have a circle that meets at my house in Champion on Sunday nights, but I do not lead it. Those three people do. Um, and uh, it's at 6 p.m. for our students in grades 6 through 12, and then we have two that are starting this week. Um, There's one in Cortland um, on Tuesday nights by the Bannings and the Bylers, and there's one on Wednesdays um, in Howland led by the Coopers and the Brits and the Mangerias. If you're a circle leader in the house, would you just raise your hand, please? Yeah, so what we're trying to craft is this sense of, Rebecca, could you come here for a minute? I already asked her to do this. Um, we're trying to craft a sense of community. I was trying to figure out a way, I'm gonna borrow this, I'm gonna put it back. I was trying to figure out a way, like guys, if you're a regular part of Regen, I want you doing this. And I'm trying to figure out a way to like push this and push this and push this without like shaming and guilting you. So I thought I would try a different thing where um, somebody, one of the units or somebody from every unit leading um, a circle over the next three weeks is gonna just tell us what they're liking about circles. So Rebecca's been part of Student Circle for three weeks now though, or like four, it's been quick. A month, and uh, so can you tell us just briefly in 60 seconds or less, she didn't know she was doing this till this morning, um, what do you love about circles? So this means I get to pressure and guilt all of you instead of Yes, that's the, that's the goal. You shame. All right, cool. I'll sit down. Okay, yeah. so my husband Dan and I um, led a youth group at a previous church, and it was a very rigid and scheduled thing, um, not super fun. We did not want to lead student circle. Um, so we were not shamed into it, but gently guided. Um, <laughs> I was asked this morning, but I have a slide. Dan, can you pull it up? All right, that is our student circle. It's not super rigid. It's not super scheduled. We just hang out together. We eat pizza, play Foursquare, and talk about Jesus. Two of those three things are like two of my favorites. You can probably guess what the one that isn't is, but that's okay. Um, It is really important to be in community with people who are both older and younger than you. And I think that you have something to learn from both. 
And Dan and I have found in our experience with Student Circle that we basically get to hang out with friends who are half our age, and it's really cool, um, even after just a few weeks. That's it. In the on position. Um, if you want to join a circle, you can talk to me, you can talk to staff, you can talk to anybody that raised their hand. We would love for you to consider doing this, and it's going to be awkward, it's going to be weird, um, it's going to take about six weeks for it to feel normal. And the reason we know that is because all of the circle leaders met in my house every week this summer. And it took about four, it was really quiet for the first four weeks. Like, there would be like, ha ha. And then, and then like silence, you know, it was super comfy. And then as time went on, as time went on, like there was a sense of connection that really grew, that was really great. And we were sad to kind of have to part. But so the first one is Tuesday nights with the Banning and Bylers in Cortland, starts this week. And then Wednesday nights with the Brits and the Mangeries and the Coopers in Howland, Wednesday. If we want to experience this good news, oh yes, Art, hi. You've got to ask. We didn't want to publicize anybody's, anybody's address. So if you ask me or staff or ask one of the leaders, they'll give you their address, but we just didn't want to like be randomly emailing that out to the hundred-some people on our mailing list. So you're welcome for not being stalked or something, right? Um, thank you. Am I missing anything else, circle leaders? Okay. Um, I was thinking about, so this is the good news, that we can have family, that we've even created a vehicle for that. But... There was this moment, we served a church in Illinois, and Brianne, our pastor's wife, we were doing an event, and she got like, she brought 25 balloons to the church, like on a bouquet. And somehow, by God's grace, like I got them all out of her car, like how she was even seeing, you know what I mean? So here I am with all these balloons. I look like the Up House, like that Disney movie, like there's just balloons everywhere, right? And I, and I go to like go in the church, and there's just a door, and I've got 25 balloons, and I can't. I can't get in the door with all 25. Like, they just won't fit through the door, all 25 of them. And I think what I'm trying to open up for us today, y'all, is there is the door to community and family and belonging and being seen. But in order to get in the door, some of us are going to have to let go of some balloons. In order to get in the door, some of us are going to have to let go of some balloons. And I can think of at least three things that we might need to let go of as we move into this. And the one is inconvenience. Um... We are addicted to convenience, and we are 110% on board with Jesus as long as he fits into our schedules. And what we find over and over again is this Jesus who will not be boxed in, who will not be scheduled. And I think we tend to want and long after community, and then we get home from work and we're tired, or we're overwhelmed, or we're just too busy. I just turned 30 this year, I've been adulting for about 10 years. Here's what I know. Everybody is tired, overwhelmed, and busy all of the time. I, and if you're not, you're just lying to yourself. I mean, everybody is tired and overwhelmed and busy all the time. And if we hold on to the balloon of convenience and busyness as a reason we can't get into community, we never will. And some of us have to let go of this idea of getting an extra three hours to watch Netflix when we're already watching way too much anyway to step into community. Um, we might need to let go of the, the balloon of fear of vulnerability. We might be afraid of being vulnerable because we love the idea of community as long as I can fake it till I make it. And here's the truth about church on Sunday mornings. You can fake it till you make it for an hour easy. Kimmy Schmidt, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, she says, you can do anything for 10 seconds, right? 
you can do anything for an hour, right? You can, you can, you can fake it till you make it for an hour. It is being with the same people in a predictable pattern over and over again that very slowly and surely the onion, the onion gets peeled back and we start to see who we really are. And some of us might need to let go of image management and being seen a certain way in order to find the support we really need. And some of us need to let go of the balloon of not wanting to be held accountable. Tim Keller has this great quote. Tim Keller's a pastor in New York City who's like my spirit animal. Um, I have a full-size poster of him in my office somebody made um, when I was on vacation once, and it's his head photoshopped on a guy's body with his hand up, and it has a speech bubble that says, up top, Kyle, because I, like, I can high-five him when I leave my office. It's great. I posted it to his Instagram, and he never responded. It's fine. Um, <laughs> it's, it's totally cool. It's, it's fine. I'm not hurt. <clears throat> but Tim Keller, if you're listening... High five. If Tim Keller were listening to my sermons, can you imagine? I would, I would lose it. Um, okay, Whew, I'm getting a little verklempt. Okay, we need to lay down our fear of accountability, of being held to account for what we say and what we're going to do. And he has this quote where he says, everyone says they want community and friendship, but mention accountability or commitment to people and they run the other way. Everyone says they want community and friendship, but mention accountability or commitment to people and they run the other way. Community without accountability is non-existent. If I can't be called out for the things I say I'm going to do, for the things that I'm doing that are outside the will of Jesus, there really isn't community there. And, and so let me say this. In a minute, I'm going to just give you a, a few little time here to respond. Here's what I'm not saying. I am not saying that spending time with your family of origin is sinful. I am not saying that you are not a good Christian or not a good member of region if you don't do a circle. What I am saying is what we as a community have decided on is this is the way that we're gonna live our life together and this is a rich, there's a richness and a goodness that we have tapped into that we want people to experience. And uh, I'm gonna preach about circles for two more weeks and you know, if that's boring to you, we'll see on the last weekend of September when we start a new series. Um, what I am saying is that uh, is, is comes from Ephesians 1. I love this verse. I was kind of thinking about it throughout the whole week. It says that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. This, adopting us into his family, is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. I think a couple things. I think very few of us imagine God as wanting to do anything. And I think very few of us imagine God deriving pleasure in doing things for us and with us. I think we tend to imagine that if we were God, we wouldn't like doing the things that we do, <laughs> right? We wouldn't like doing the thing God does. And the thing that Paul says in Ephesians that gave God great pleasure was adopting us into a family. The thing that gave God great pleasure was adopting us into a family where we find accountability, where we find vulnerability, where we let go of our desire for convenience and instead get to experience can, like support and love and being seen and being known and maybe, just maybe, something that an NBC executive could write a, a show about called This Is Us. Maybe. Um, Dan, here's what I need you to do. Could you give me the three words again? Um, we're kind of making this transition as a community to really focusing on this concept of hearing what God has to say and then doing what he says, or revelation, God revealing himself, and then responding. And so if you have a program, there's two kind of boxes on the back that say, 
what is God saying? What am I going to do about it? Uh, maybe you don't have a program, but I just want to invite you, um, the band's going to come and just kind of play. I just want to invite you to take a minute and stay seated and just ask the Father, like, what are you inviting me to do this week? What is the step you're asking me to take? Um, and Julia will lead from there. Um, she'll lead us in some singing, and if during that time maybe you want to pray with somebody um, like Steph and Art and Pam can kind of, if you guys could fan the room, um, and then in a few minutes we'll receive communion together. But why don't you take a moment and just respond to the Father. Here's what the love of Jesus is like. On the night when he was betrayed by his family, he gathered his family. And around a table, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, it's broken for you. He said, every time you eat this as a family, remember me. During that same meal, he took a cup and he offered it to his family, his brothers and sisters, and he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. It's the new family arrangement that we have. It's for you and for all people. Paul says, as often as we eat this meal, as often as we eat this bread and drink the cup, we proclaim his death until he comes. We serve a savior who was broken so that we would be as a community made whole, who was poured out so that in laying down our vulnerability and laying down our fear of accountability that we would find family. Um, and so, um, let's see here. Dan Collins and um, young Dan, big day for you, come here. A lot of Dans in the house. Um, Steph, could you come here, please? The way we receive communion at Regen is simple. You come forward, someone will rip off a piece of the bread. You dip it in the cup and you taste and see that the Lord is good. And at Regen, we know that this table does not belong to us. It belongs to Jesus who offered himself for the whole world. And so if you have a pulse, you are welcome to his table. So Father, we pray that you would pour out your spirit on these gifts of bread and cup that they might become for us the body and blood of Christ, a meal that we eat together as a family that would knit us into your family together. Amen. Amen. The table is open. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Um, if you're new to Regen today, before we ever met you, before we ever knew your name, there was a place for you at our table a spot for you in our home and a desire for you to be part of our family. Um, so uh, we've got donuts, we've got coffee. Uh, hang around for as long as you'd like and uh, hope to see you next week. Peace.